How, how many of you would say this is absolutely your favorite time of year? Anybody else? In, yeah, okay, all of them. I got response on that, right? I love this time of year. I love, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas parties and Christmas food. I, I love it all. Um, this past week, Thanksgiving, the whole deal. Just, um, man, don't we have a lot to be thankful for in our lives? We have so much that God has given to us, so much that we can be thankful for. Um, how about we do this? How about we just kick this off this morning with a prayer of thanks? Is that cool with you guys? Come on, let's do that. Thank you so much, Father, for um, God, for family, for friends, for uh, your presence, God. I thank you for all that you do in our lives. I thank you for this amazing book that we're going to start studying. Um, thank you that when we gather together and, and learn about you, God, you always show up, that it's more than just head knowledge. Somehow you get down to our hearts, you change us, you change our, our, our souls, our wills, our minds. God, you change the direction and the course of our lives. We thank you for that. Um, thank you, God, that you confirm your word with signs and with wonders. I pray that this morning while I'm preaching, God, that you would do that. You'd, um, man, some of us are sitting here, we got headaches. I pray by the end of this time, the headaches are gone. God, I, some of us are sitting here, our backs are hurting. I pray at the end, we'd almost find ourselves standing up going, wait a second, like my back does not hurt. Some of us are here with very deep hurts in our soul. God, uh, this is a, a bittersweet season for a lot of us. And so I pray this morning, just as your word is taught, as it's preached, God, that, that you would, we would kind of notice at the end of this time together, we're like, man, it's still sad, but the ache is not like it was. God, I, I thank you for all that you do. And, and God, thank you for, for confirming all of this, God. Thursday when the Panthers won. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So, let's just... And that's what the, what, that's what the verse says, and, and signs and wonders will follow them, and Panthers will win. Something like that. Something is in there. Um, so this morning, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, hang with me. So um, this morning, we're kicking off this brand new series in Luke. Uh, we are in Luke. It's called True Story. Um, this, in weeks to come, we've we got plenty of time. We're not going to hurry through this. Um, this is going to take us through December, obviously, because the Christmas story is in Luke chapter 2. We'll get to that. Um, but even after Christmas is over, you know, we'll do something sad. You said a graphic, change it. But we're going to stick with Luke until we're done, okay? We're not going to be in a hurry. We're not going to be in a rush. We're going to be like all those people that drive on these slow country roads, right? Just put along here like, dude, I've got to get places, right? We're just going to take our time, not be in a hurry, and just go through this amazing book. So this morning... Um, don't worry about trying to get to a specific passage or a story. We're just going to hang in the first four verses. Uh, is that cool? First four verses of the book. I just want to introduce you to a couple of things. A couple of the men behind the book. I want to introduce you to um, why the book was written, the, the mission of the book, all that kind of stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. So um, let's just start with uh, the first four verses. Let me read it to you, then we'll kind of walk through it. Um, here's, what, here's what it says. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Let's just focus first on um, that third verse. It says, therefore, since I... So the question is, who is I? I mean, who is the person that wrote this book? So I want to introduce you to the author of the book. His name is Luke, okay? Um, now, Luke is a popular name, so let's just right up front talk about the Lukes that we're not talking about. We're not talking about Luke Skywalker, okay? Not talking about him. Um, we're not talking about Luke Bryan, although every woman in here is like, please, can we? Can we, just, can we just pause for a moment of reflection? We're not talking about this Luke. 
Uh, a lot of you don't know who that is, but maybe if I show you what he looked like younger. Okay, that's... Um, that sounded like a man whistle. I wasn't <laughs> sure about that. So, um, and listen, as much as I would love to spend the rest, the next 30 minutes talking about this one Luke, we're not talking about the, the most popular Luke of all, right? Right, yeah, so I feel like, I feel like, I think every Sunday when I come up, I should say, today we're going to talk, we're going to, our next, like part two in our study in the gospel of Luke, I think that's what we should do every Sunday, right? That'd be, that'd be awesome, but uh, we're not talking about, I just picked myself and made myself bleed, that's crazy. Anyway, um, we're not talking about these Lukes either, okay, so let's talk about the Luke that we are talking about, the Luke that wrote this book that we're holding, okay? It's one of the Gospels. Um, there are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Uh, Matthew, Mark, I really am. I, I can't believe I picked myself and made myself bleed while I'm preaching to you. That's so awesome. Um, like, dude, my pastor's so into it, man. He, like, bleeds. He cuts himself. It's crazy. Um, so we're talking about Luke. He, he wrote this, this third Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all right? Um, here's who he was. He was a doctor, which means he was smart, um, he was a Gentile, which means that he wasn't religious. You know any smart, non-religious people? Like, okay, let's just, do you know smart people? Like, well, I know, I know you, <laughs> but do you know smart people, right? Forget me, do you know smart people? Um, if you think about it, so here's Luke. He's a, he's a thinker. He's a, 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 a not a religious person. And if there were two types of people that we would say would not go to church, that would be them, wouldn't it? Thinkers. And people that aren't religious. Like, I don't want to go to church. Why don't you want to go to church? Well, I know Christians, and they don't have a brain, right? They don't think. I don't want to be like them. Um, I don't do the church thing. I don't understand it. I'm not really religious. It's kind of like me and Jesus out like in nature, right? <laughs> I'm not going to go to church, right? There, so this is Luke. He's a, he's a doctor. He's a thinker. He's smart. He, he's not into the religious stuff. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. All right, first aid people, bring me a Band-Aid. I'm going to bleed to death right here <laughs> on video. It's going to be crazy. I'm not really going to bleed to death. I feel faint. <laughs> Kidding. Just joking. It's just a joke. So, so think about Luke, okay? Of all the people that would not write this book, that would be it, wouldn't it? These are not the kind of people that we expect to write something like a gospel in the Bible. We don't expect somebody to write a gospel in the Bible when they don't even know about customs that are in the Bible. This is Luke. He's smart. He's non-religious. And he wrote, believe it or not, more of the New Testament than anybody else. So Paul, you've heard of Paul? Paul wrote more books in the Bible in the New Testament, but Luke wrote more words. Thank you so much. Right before I passed out. Like everybody that's gonna watch this video all over the world, they're gonna be like, I don't know if I want to go to that church. Like it's crazy. Like people there come prepared for hurts. Nuts. She did save my life because I was fixing to pass out right now. Dun, 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 dun. You know that's you know what's gonna hurt about that? Yeah, the hair. It's not gonna be good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, so what's that? All right. <laughs> that's fantastic. The bloody one, what's that? Okay. All right, so <laughs> sorry, honey. She's so embarrassed right now. Bless her Jesus. So Luke wrote 25% of the New Testament, almost 25%, one-fourth of the New Testament was written by Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke right here, and he also wrote Acts. So 25% two, two, of the books 
in the New Testament, he wrote. Uh, the question is, what? What did he write? He wrote a book right here that is, um, it's, 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 a, it's a chronological picture of what Jesus did. It's an investigation. We're going to talk about that in a little, more in a little bit. Um, he's only mentioned three times in the Bible. So I don't know, when you're, when you're writing 25% of the, of the books of the Bible in the New Testament and you don't mention your name, because he didn't mention himself, so he just said, and I myself. He doesn't mention himself in Acts. How do we know that he wrote the books if he didn't say that he did? We know that he wrote these books because historians throughout time that have studied this have said absolutely, without a doubt, Luke wrote these. We know it from church history, but we don't know it from Luke himself. So that says this. He's not only smart. He's not only not religious. He's humble. Let me ask you this question. Think about the smart people that you know that aren't into church. Does humble describe them? No. Not usually. I mean, humble also doesn't always describe church people, too. I'm not knocking unchurched people. But people that don't come to church, they don't typically exhibit humility about it. I know this because sometimes I have conversations with them on Facebook. You post something about Jesus and they come back with, you're an idiot. Thank you, Mr. Humble, <laughs> right? You're, like, you don't even, who do you think you are? Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Why, why don't you just forget this crazy Jesus thing and be smart like me and stop following a myth? That's kind of how they tend to react. But you wouldn't say, well, you're a thinker, you're non-religious, and so you must be humble too. But Luke was. Get that. Like, he's a Gentile. He's an outsider. He's not in on the church stuff. He doesn't fully understand all the church lingo. He's really smart. And he's investigating. It makes me not want to ask myself this question, but I think we have to ask ourselves this question. If he was humble, how humble are we? How, how are you in the area of humility? And how do you even answer that, right? I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm about an 11 in humility. I mean, what? How do you, yeah, I'm humble. I'm nailing humility, right? How do you say that? But just, just ponder that question. How are you in the area of humility? Man, Luke was humble. Smart man. Smart man. Non-religious and humble. And, and he was an investigator. He, look what it says in verse 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He was an investigator. But for now. We'll talk about the investigation last. For now, just know this. This is written by a smart man. It's written by a man who doesn't come from a church background. And it's written by a man who's humble. And it's written by a man who has, a, he has a, he's doing it for somebody. He's been hired by somebody to write this. He's been hired by a man that, I don't, I'm assuming none of you have this name. He's mentioned in verse 3. His name is Theophilus. Anybody here got that as a middle name? Is your middle name Theophilus? If it is, you're, you're going to go by Theo, right? Like, yeah, I'm Theo, right? Nobody's going, I'm, I'm John Theophilus. Yeah, no, nobody's got that name. It's a crazy name, weird name. Who is Theophilus? If, if Luke was humble, then Theophilus might have even been more humble. Because Theophilus never took credit for any of this. In fact, if it wasn't for Luke mentioning him here, and then Luke also mentions him in Acts 1.1, he says, in my former letter to you, Theophilus. So he, Luke writes these two books of the Bible, almost 25% of the New Testament, for a man named Theophilus. And this man, Theophilus, never even mentions who he is. I mean, he's just as humble as well, isn't he? So, so what do we know about this 
humble man named Theophilus. We know this. We know that he's, he's important. He, Luke calls him most excellent Theophilus. Which like, not like most excellent dude, right? Not like that, okay? Most excellent meaning that's the, that was a phrase that was used for people that had government positions. So man, up, he's, he's in, he's in state-level stuff, man. He's up there. This is like going to D.C. and walking in and seeing a congressman or a congresswoman. Like they've, he's, got a, he's got a position. And back then, if you had a position like that, it meant that you probably also had some coin because that came along with the position. So he, he's got some money to bankroll some stuff, right? Not only that, he's also a Gentile. So you've got an outsider in Luke who's a Gentile that is then going to get hooked up with another outsider who's a Gentile in Theophilus. His name means this. It means lover of God. And, and you, you could like, go home and read lots of books by lots of smart people, and you'll never get an answer to this. So was Theophilus a follower of Jesus? People will say, we don't know. He, he might have been. He, he may, he either he was a Gentile who just converted to Christianity or he was a Gentile that was really close and wanted to make sure that he was making the right decision. But either way, he was a man who was on the outside that was looking to follow Jesus. He was a lover of God. There's, a, there's a, a church, an author, like a historical author. His name was Ambrose from back in Bible times. And he, he made this comment about Luke. I love this. He says, Luke was written to Theophilus who was a lover of God. And he says, and what that means is, if you're a lover of God, Luke was written to you too. Isn't that cool? Like, here's a book in the Bible. Now we can pick it up and go, he wrote it to me. Theophilus wrote this to me. He was a lover of God. We know this, he was generous. Tradition holds that this influential and wealthy Gentile convert commissioned Luke to write this book and the book of Acts. Think about this. He said to Luke, Close down your physician's practice. Go for a couple years, two years, three years, how, how much time you need. Go and make an investigation into what I've heard about Jesus. And when you're done, bring back to me what you've learned. Luke's like, dude, I can do that, but I've got, I got a family i got to feed. Theophilus says, no big deal, man. I'll bankroll the whole thing. He was generous. He was generous. And we'll, we'll get to a lot more of that later. But just for right now, if we have to ask the question from Luke, like, how humble are you? Then I need to ask you this question as well. How generous are you with your resources? What are you investing in? Just think, that, think through this, okay? Whether you really read the Bible a lot, I'm here with this big Bible today, right? And I've got a Bible on my iPad. I've got a Bible on my iPhone. I don't know what you choose if you're digital or if you're like, you like the whole thing, like highlight the deal, whatever. But you've got a copy of the Bible, probably multiple copies of the Bible somewhere, right? And you know what you have in that Bible? You have Luke. You have Acts. And just, just take Luke alone, okay? Just take Luke alone. You know what's, what's really unique about Luke? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four Gospels. There are 41 stories, 41 passages in Luke that are not in Matthew, Mark, or John. Which means this, if Theophilus had never been generous and invested in the kingdom of God, you and I would be sitting here without 41 stories of Jesus. We'd be sitting here without 25% of the New Testament. We have it because a man named Theophilus was generous and invested in the kingdom. Now, you may never have a position where we call you most excellent anything, right? You may never have that kind of money, but you've got something. We've all got something. And the question is this, what are you doing with what you have? How are you taking the, the resources that God has given to you 
and investing them into the next generation. Think of it like this. What will future believers have as a result of how you and I use our resources? Can I tell you a quick story? You don't even know this. I love this story. Look around the room. You got you to you take it all in. Look around the room. Look at the walls. Look at the orange wall, the, the, the globe, the map. Look up here, the baptism, the names that are on the baptistry. Look at the, the seats, the people that are in the seats. Look at the lights. All Everything you see here. Do you know why you sit here today? You sit here today because I had an encounter with a man who was like Theophilus. Everything that you've experienced in four years at the gathering happened because I went to a church on a Wednesday night when God put this vision in my heart and I was sharing with people that I knew and that I loved, like, hey, can I just come practice on you? Can I share with your church what I think God's doing in us? And if you, you know, just, just you could pray with us. And I got invited to go to a church on a Wednesday night and it was like, seriously, God? I got a Wednesday night. Are you kidding me? Because I don't know if you, if you don't, weren't raised in church, you don't know anything about Wednesday night. But if you were raised in church, you already know how this works out, right? Sunday morning, big crowd. Sunday night, everybody that's not got a team playing at 4 o'clock, right? And then Wednesday night, pastor and his family. That's kind of how it goes, isn't it? So it's like, seriously, God? Like, I, I, that's my, I want the Sunday morning crowd, right? But I got the Wednesday night crowd. And so I go, and like I, I'm, I'm preaching. I'm sharing the vision. There's like maybe 35, 40 people there, and it's like, the whole time I'm preaching, I'm just like, come on, God, man, like, where's everybody at? When I got done, I went back and I sat down in my pew. And so the pastor gets up and he's closing the service in prayer. And as he's closing the service in prayer, I felt something getting into my hand, which is weird. When your eyes are closed, you're like, whoa, whoa, what's that? And somebody slipped something in my hand. So I kind of held on to it. And then when service, you know, like prayer was over, I looked down. And when I looked down, I saw this. An envelope, and all it says is Theophilus 20K. That's $20,000. To Paul. And I wish I could tell you it was to me, but it wasn't. And I don't know what you would have done, but I was like, who gave this to me? This man turned around, and all he said was, he's like, um, I did. I said, Who's Theophilus? Felt bad. I felt like I should know, right, as a pastor. And he said, he said just, just go research it. He said, and when you research it, here's what you'll find. Someone's got to pay for the vision. Theophilus paid for the vision. I met a man who had a Theophilus-like spirit. And listen, he's going to get to heaven someday. And, and God's going to say, let's talk. I got some pictures I want to show you. And he's going, to show you, he's going to show that man every Sunday, every soul, everybody that ever came through the gathering, he's going to show him stats from Vimeo where I think we're almost up to half the countries in the world have seen a message from this platform in their, it's crazy. And that man is going to see all that because he had a Theophilus spirit. He invested in a kingdom. And you're sitting in fruit from that. Man, when we invest like that, God does amazing things. We hold a Bible that has 25% in the New Testament because of Theophilus. We sit in a service where I can preach. I'm preaching to you now. I preached to a 9 o'clock service that was packed. It's crazy. Because a man said, I'll be Theophilus. 
I'll, I'll invest generously into the kingdom. What are you doing with your resources? And then finally, we've, we've talked about Luke and Theophilus. Let's just talk about the mission, okay? Let's meet the mission. What? Theophilus pays for it. And he's like, I'm going to bankroll it. Go in and do what you got to do. And so the question is, what did he get for that? What was, what was the result? And the result was what Luke wrote here. He said, it seemed like I should, after a careful investigation, it seemed good to write an orderly account for you. This is what Luke, what we hold in our Bible, this is what, like if you do a book report and you write the report out and you give it to your teacher, Luke is what Luke wrote out and then gave to Theophilus. He came back and said, well, I did the research. Here's what I found. Now, I don't know if you grew up in a doctor's family. I did. Um, doctors can be, can we say not relaxed? Like type A, A-A-A-A-A. Like they're like, we got a way we're going to do it. We're going to do it that way. And you're like, I've got a better way. Nope, we're doing it this way, right? And so you won't be any surprise at all that Luke is the only, of, only one of the four Gospels that's chronological. All the other ones like Matthew, Mark, John, they like put stories together in a way that kind of builds to a theme and a climax because they're artsy people, you know, like let's make it a drama. Luke's like, it happened here and it stopped here, right? <laughs> like just totally chronological. He put together an orderly account. This is what Theophilus got for the money that he invested. It's unique. I already told you there's 41 portions in this book that aren't in any of the other books. It's written to a Gentile by a Gentile. And this is so good for us. It means it's not very religious. It means that there's a lot of explanation. Like if you read Matthew or Mark or John, they might say something like, well, when the Feast of Passover came and, you know, th those people that were reading were like, oh, yeah, Feast of Passover, we get that. But Luke would be like, when the Feast of Passover came, parentheses, and the Feast of Passover means yada, 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 yada. See, like reading Luke is going to be a lot like attending the gathering, where we kind of assume that you know nothing, right? We don't just assume that you get, oh, yeah, Advent, sweet, five candles. This will be about, we just go, hey, Advent, it's a season before Christmas where we prepare for the coming of Jesus we don't just assume that you know, hey, let's give offerings because, like, that's what church people do. No, no, we, we don't, you don't give here because I need your money. Or, or We give because God's raising generous givers. Why do we sing so much? We try to let you in on that, a little peek behind the scenes. You know why we sing so much? Because we're in love with Jesus. And when you're in love with somebody, you tend to sing to them. Like when you first met your wife. And you would sing stuff to her. And if you sang it to anybody else, they'd be like, shut up. Because you can't sing at all. But you were all into it. You had dance moves choreographed, the whole deal. You were like, hello. And your wife was like, keep singing, baby. Make my heart move, right? It's crazy. That's why we sing. Like, but why do you sing so much? Because we love Jesus so much. We can't help ourselves. And someday you will too. We, we try to let you in on why we do what we do. We don't just do it. You ever been to a, a meeting, a, a, an organization, and they like had the secret handshakes? And you were like, you're trying to fist pump and they were handshaking. It's like awkward. Luke's not like that. Luke's not awkward. Luke explains what's going on. He's, an, he's a non-religious person talking to non-religious people about this amazing man named Jesus. 
He didn't take for granted that people knew what was going to happen. Here, he talks about Jesus as a child. He elevates the status of women. He, he highlights the plight of the poor. This is what Luke talks about. These are the themes in here. That's why we're going to love this book. It's for all the things that we love. And all of that is, is what Theophilus paid for. The question is, why? Why did Theophilus pay Luke to do all of this? Because he wanted to know the truth. Verse 4, Luke said this. He said, I'm giving you this account, Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. See, Theophilus knew this. The book was written somewhere around 60, 65 A.D. So Jesus, you know, like 30, 33 A.D.-ish is crucified and rises again. Some, like 30 years later, the people that were eyewitnesses to what happened in Jesus' life are getting ready to die. And Theophilus says, listen, man, I've heard this stuff about Jesus. I've heard these stories. I've heard them all my life. And I just need to know this. Are they true? Luke's like, we can find out. Sweet. Let's do a reality show. You're going to be the investigator. I'm going to pay you the money. Go off. Get a camera crew. The whole thing. Like, go make a careful investigation. Come back and tell me what you found. He wanted to get all this written down before the people that were telling the stories died. Can you imagine if Theophilus had not done that? It'd be oral tradition, oral tradition, oral tradition. And I don't know how you are, but if like we're playing the little game where you tell me something and I have to tell the next person what you told me, I'm jacking it up. I mean, I can't remember from here to here, right? Okay, yeah. the duck ate crackers. What? It's like, that's not what I said. And so Theophilus is like, man, let's get it written down. Let's get this thing written down. That's what he did. So that we can know that what we've heard is true. I, I, love, I love the phrase true story. I, I, I did find out it's one of the top ten most overplayed and overused hashtag on social media. But if, you've, if you're not into hashtagging, you know, hashtag true story, all that means is this. It means whatever you said before that, no matter how crazy and far-fetched it sounds, if you'll just go hashtag true story, people are like, oh, dude, that really happened. You know? Hey, Paul, how'd you get that cut on your head? Well, I was coming home, and, like, there was this car accident, and there was an, an older lady pinned up under the car, and I picked the car up, and I just threw it up in the air. And I pulled her out of the way, and it came down, and the, the side mirror just hit me in the forehead. I got a scratch. You're like, dude, there's no way. That, hey, hashtag true story. Whoa. <laughs> like, Luke is the Bible's hashtag true story. The author is saying that, like, I've heard these crazy stories, like a virgin birth. Like, and the kid that was born grew up to do stuff like raise a, a son from the, the dead. And I died on the, a cross, and he's alive? No, man. Theophilus is like, there's no way. Pays Luke. Luke goes off and does the investigation and comes back. Hey, Theophilus, all that stuff you said, true story, dude. True story. True story. We could trust this because Luke was an investigator. Are you an investigator? Do you want to know the truth? If you're a church person, I guarantee you that you're an instigator. We're good at that, right? 
We ask questions to stir up drama. Are we doing that song again? Why are we going to do Sunday night service now? How come our orange trees are there? We ask questions to stir up trouble. That's what instigators do. Investigators ask the same questions, but they ask it from a heart that wants to know the truth. Luke was an investigator. And I know this, man. If you search for truth, it's going to lead you to Jesus. Luke's gospel is proof of that. Here's, here's our big idea. I love this. Seeking truth will always lead us and others to Jesus. It will always lead us and others to Jesus. That's why I'm never going to ask you to come to the gathering and quit thinking. Isn't that crazy? That's why, like, we don't, I don't want to be a part of church because they don't like to think. Some of us, I don't, some of us don't like to think. I'm a writer. I love to write. I got a blog. I do all that kind of stuff. You know what I love to write? I love to write when I don't have to think. I just feel it. You start typing, it comes out, and it feels so good. You read it and go, man, that's good. And I post it, and somebody reads it and goes, dude, you got five typos. But I felt good. You know, it's like, we don't want to think. I just want to sing songs, give a dollar, go home and eat. Don't talk about nothing like doctrine. Don't get crazy on me now. Don't teach me anything from the Bible. Don't make me think. And Luke and Theophilus were thinkers. They were investigators. It's time for us to be the same. Investigate the truth. I want to ask questions because we can ask questions all day long and the answers will always point to Jesus. I'm not scared of scientists who are smarter than me. I'm not scared of people that have lots of letters after their name that are smarter than me. I'm not scared of somebody asking me a question I can't answer because there's a billion of those questions. Because I know every one of those questions ultimately will lead us to Jesus. Luke knew that. He spent years of his life investigating. Seeking truth will always lead us and others to Jesus. A few weeks ago, um, Wendy and I went away. We went to Asheville. Um, we thank you for that because it was part of our pastor appreciation. You gave us um, money to go away, and we appreciate that. And so, um, you know, we went to Asheville. Well, where would you go if you had money to go away? We went to Asheville. It was awesome. Just me and her, no children. Hallelujah, Jesus, right? Um, and, and one of the things we did was we ate a lot of food. And then the other thing we did was we went to the Biltmore. Um, I've been to the Biltmore once before, but I've never been to the Biltmore for the, like when they had the Christmas lights out. So the first weekend, they had the Christmas lights out. And um, we got there, you know, we walk in, they're like, here's your options. You can do the self-guided tour or... Or if you'd rather, you could pay us more money to wear this device around your neck. You look like a nerd and wear these big old funky headphones. And we were like, we're cool. Self-guided tour is good for us, right? You know, we don't want to be those people. So all these people, you know, we're, with, we're doing a self-guided tour. When you do a self-guided tour at the Biltmore, what happens is you're walking through the Biltmore. And, you know, they got the felt, the felt things up with the ropes. And you can't go certain places. You're looking at stuff. You know, you're taking pictures. And there's a nice lady saying you can't take pictures. So then I'm taking pictures like this. You know. <laughs> Whatever I can do. All my pictures turn out terrible. Anyway, um, so we're just kind of walking through. What happens is you kind of get in with the same crowd. All these people are taking the self-guided tour. They're all trying to save money. And so you kind of walk through different speeds, but you're all kind of together. So we kind of got in this crowd, um, awesome crowd of people. And then as we're going through the tour, somewhere around second and third floor, what happened was the faster people, the overachievers got a little bit ahead. And the slower people 
got a little bit behind, trying to steal stuff. And then the people in the middle was just me and Wendy. It was just me and Wendy. We're like one day, we're walking from like one room down a hall, and we got in the middle of that hall, and like there's nobody, it's just me and her. And she got a little ahead of me, and there was a door, and I just turned the doorknob. And when I turned the door, it, it turned. Like I heard it click, and then I pushed the door, and it, it opened. And then that's when Wendy got involved. She's like, she turned around, and she went, dude, there, there's a light on in that room. I was like, I, I know. I said, what should we do? She said, we should go in. So we did. We opened the door, and she and I went in. And when we walked in, we walked into, like, this portal. It was Narnia. I'm just kidding. We walked in. We walked into another, like, another room, and there was, like, more of that, you know, velvet roping stuff. And we're walking in. There's nobody there. It's just me and her. And we're checking out, like, like the behind-the-scenes stuff. And then we go a little bit further down the hall. It's beautiful, and then we're going even further than that. So we're walking towards the last room. We heard noise behind us, and I turned around, and like some of that group that we'd been with, one of the people, there was like four women, right, that had been with us the whole time. Um, they're like, they're like Red Hat Society women. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you've got a picture in your head now. So like the four Red Hat Society women are with us. They're coming through the door, and as they're coming through, there's another man behind them, and they all, they looked at me, and they're like, are we supposed to be back here? And I was like, I don't know. I'm on a self-guided tour, so I guess it's okay, right? I'm just guiding myself along, right? I'm just, I'm here. I turned the doorknob and opened it, and here we are. So, so they're like, sweet, and they came with us. So we get all the way to the end. We get to the last room, and we walk in. It's like this pale blue room, paint's chipping. Like, there's, there's racks, and they've got things hanging on them with, like, ba- like, clothing bags over them. It's like, obviously, we're not supposed to be here, but it was so stinking cool, Right? And the women are there, the red hat women are with us. And so we get to the end, we turn around and come back. And we turned around to start walking back. I start busting out laughing. And Wendy's like, what is wrong with you? I said, well, first of all, I can't believe we're here. And then, Wendy, look, there's like 45 or 50 people coming through the door that we opened. And they're just like wandering along, just like at the red, looking at stuff. Oh, yes, it's great, it's great. They don't even know that, they, they think it's the door. They just redirected themselves through the door. So that they're going through, we're, we're like scurrying out, you know. We get out the door. We're walking back to the regular part of the tour. We saw one of the ladies coming. And like, you know, she's, I don't know, she's like this tall, like, you know, 65 years old. And she's like scurrying as fast as she can, you know, like to the door that we opened. And so we scurried as fast as we could the other way, right? We're like, out of here. What happened was she goes and kicks all those people out because they're not supposed to be there. We were already gone. It's all good with us. But the rest of the tour, every time those, the red hat women would see us, the man that was with them would see us, every time that they would see me, they would say, have you tried any more doors? <laughs> and I'd say, every one. <laughs> My prayer is that you would be an investigator, is that you would be a doorknob turner. That you would be the kind of person who would just push a little more. Because what I found at the Biltmore is true spiritually. When we turn the doorknobs, when we push a little bit, when we investigate the claim, what happens is we open up access for other people to come behind us. Luke, Acts. Do you know what Theophilus and Luke did? They turned a doorknob. 
Theophilus said, I'm not content just to hear the stories from other people. They're good stories. But I'm going to bankroll you so you can turn some doorknobs, open a door, find me some hidden access. Luke found 41 stories about Jesus that were nowhere else. He found some hidden access. And we followed him through the door. And my prayer is that you would become that doorknob turner, that this Christmas season, throughout this true story series, that would be you. It would be me. We would be investigators, not afraid to try, to push. And we would find the truth of this passage. I love this promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. God is speaking, and he says this to all of you potential doorknob turners in the room, right? This is what he says. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And my prayer for our church is that we would be that church. That years down the road, generations would be changed because we were doorknob turners. Because we weren't content just to take somebody else's word for it. But we did a careful investigation ourselves. Seeking truth will always lead us, always lead us and others to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Luke and for Theophilus. I thank you for men that we won't meet this side of heaven. I thank you for the, the, the example that they leave for us, God. I, I pray, and I have this, this whole week as I prepare for today, I want to be more humble. I want to be like Luke, willing to do all this work and not get any credit. I want to be generous like Theophilus, God. I want to use the resources that you've given to me in a way that invests in the kingdom of God and, and in the future for people that are coming behind us, God. And I want to I be an investigator. I don't want to be content to just do what we're supposed to do. I want to I push a little. I want to seek you. I want to see Jeremiah 29, 13 come true in my life and in our lives as a church. That when we seek you with all of our heart, we will find you. And that we will open up these behind the scenes access places. That people that are Gentiles, they're not religious, they're not like us, they don't understand the traditions, God. They would follow us and they would see a part of you that they've never seen before. We thank you, God, for the truth that we're going to find. That all these crazy things that we've heard about you, it's true, God. True story really happened and we can trust you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.